I'm living my best life right now. Like, things couldn't be better. That's Antoine Few. I'm Greg Baird. You're listening to the Photo Gregor Podcast. This is the third and final episode with Antoine Few. I hope you love it. And uh, here we go. So welcome back to the podcast. Uh, Last time and the time before that, we talked to Antoine Few about his story a little bit. And we talked about a little bit about, you know, Antoine was going through some pretty rough things and was not uh, living a very safe life, I would say, back in Fresno. So he packed up and moved to Utah with $100 and two suitcases and uh anybody who's moved with two suitcases a hundred dollars knows that doesn't get you very far so Antoine I want to ask you welcome back to the program by the way thank you thank you and I want to ask you what was that plane ride like what were you thinking I mean what's going through your head at that moment man all I knew is that I like like I said all I knew is I had a job and I'm somewhere to sleep and I was only going to be making minimum wage still I, you know and I just knew I had a job and I needed to get away from Fresno. Um, that was, that was it. And everything else was just kind of, I'm flying by the seat of my pants. Like I, I no plan, no plan, no plan. I just needed to get away. I didn't, I didn't know how it was going to work out. I didn't know what was going to happen in Utah, you know? Um, but like, soon as I got here, you know, my boy John Rivera showed up to the airport, picked me up right away. Um, you know, I got here and he said, you ready to go to work? I'm like, yep. He's like, all right, I got some shirts right there. Put your shirt on. First shift. First shift right off the plane. First shift straight off the plane. Went up to Sugar House Park and watched the lights because it, uh, it was like two weeks before Thanksgiving. So I just, you know, back then they used to do, I don't know if they still do, they used to put lights in Sugar House Park. And that's when they would start, like two weeks before Thanksgiving. And then, like, the day after Thanksgiving, they turn the lights on, the Christmas lights, right? So I was out there um, with another guy in the car just kind of driving around, Make, sitting. Making sure people making aren't sure messing with the lights? Aren't messing with the, the displays that are currently set up, but they're not turned on. So we're just cruising and, you know, talking to this guy. I have no idea who he is. Just getting to know, you know, you know me, I'm a people person anyway. Yeah. You know, so... You know, I'll talk to anybody. So we, you know, I got eight hours to kill in the car because we're going to be here all night. So um, that's what I did. And I did that every night for like a few weeks. And then we started doing concerts. We do, you know, that that the light show went out and we started doing shows. We do two, three shows a week. Like what kind of, what kind of shows are you talking about? Uh, rock shows, you know, traveling, you know, concerts. Anybody, you you a- name it. Anybody on tour. Anybody on tour, you name it. What's the best band you ever saw? Uh, who's your favorite? <laughs> I've seen the Stones. I've seen you know Metallica. I've seen Metallica. I, I've, I've asked seen you the Stones. I don't. I've seen the Stones here, Denver, and L.A. I've seen Metallica in Denver. I've seen Metallica at the Delta Center, at the E Center, at Weber State. <laughs> at, seen, I mean, have you seen Kiss? Yeah, I seen Kiss at Dodger Stadium on Halloween. Um, <laughs> That's got to be a show. Oh, that was one of the best shows. I mean, so who puts on the best show? Like, like, uh, 
I know these bands are huge that we're talking about. Who puts on the best show? You ain't even gonna believe it when I tell you. Like the the best the best are the best performing artists out there. Garth Brooks. Yep. Really? Yep. Good guess. Cause uh, I think you've told me that before. Yeah. That I think about like it. Like he's he is by far. I mean, as far as I can, like you know, things that I was involved in that I seen. I mean, the guy did five shows at the Delta Center. Back to back. Back to back to back to back. Right. Yeah. Every show was different. Every show had a different set list. Who does that? I've been to like. I can't even say her name, but <laughs> <laughs> she cried. She did two shows at the Delta Center. She cried and bought somebody up on the stage at the same time. Exactly the same. Exactly way. the same time. Very rehearsed. Exactly the same. It was so rehearsed. I was. I lost all respect for. Her. Did it make you cry? It. I was. <laughs> you know, like, are you kidding me? You ain't. There ain't even tears. <laughs> you. You a joke. You know. It, it works from the fiftieth row. It worked the first night. I was like, oh, that's so cool. <laughs> when she did it the second night, I was like, oh, she was faking. <laughs> Well, that's part of what you pay for is the experience, right? I, if you I, only go once, I guess you get the right experience. I, I guess. Um, who who is somebody that uh, like? I realize you're not there to watch the show; you're there to keep crowd control and that. But I mean, what what was something? Uh, who was somebody that you didn't expect to enjoy but really did? Uh, Besides Garth Brooks, I mean, that sounds like country music doesn't sound like your thing, man. No, it's not. But I enjoyed it because it was. You know, I mean, it was... It was right during the heart of Friends in Low Places, right? It, man, it was just crazy. It was just, you know, like, like how can he do this? How can, you know, he's got enough songs to, to do five different shows, like a 20-song set list, like... Yeah, so who, who did you not expect to enjoy but really enjoyed? Uh, Godsmack. Godsmack at Red really? Rocks, yeah. Really? Godsmack at Red Rocks, Rock the House, man. Like, what, was, what, what about it was, was good? It was live. Like, he was out in the audience, like running around like full of energy like it was a really really good show like i was really impressed with him like and i was i had never even heard of godsmack so you 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 see this band on the on the on your roster of places to go and you're looking at it going who is that yeah i'm like who is godsmack and then that show happened and then that show happened i was like wow that is like that is awesome you know he put a really good show on so yeah so i I, you know this person probably didn't come here at the time, but I was thinking like, you know, Celine Dion seems like the kind of person that uh, you, it's not my style, but actually but she, she would put on a great show. She did uh, a Bravano Hall. So you have seen that show. Yeah. She did a Bravano Hall when she came. And you were, you did security for a Bravano Hall. Yeah. Yeah. We had a contract with them also. Okay. So for those who don't know, that's like the biggest concert hall in Salt Lake city. And that that's the only real concert hall. That's not related to university in Salt Lake city. Yeah. Um, so good show. Yeah, it was a good show. Cause like I said, she's not my thing, man. But it seems like that that lady can move you. She can sing, man. She can perform. Yeah, man. She she can she can sing, man. I mean, she can watch. She can sing. <laughs> <laughs> you have to say that with that face. Though. Yeah, you, you, you have can't. to say it with that sang. She can sing. Sang. Frown yeah. up and say it. <laughs> I can't say it that way. <laughs> I'm not cool enough. Um. So you're working concerts. Yeah, life is starting to turn around, man. I mean. Like what's going on in your personal life at this point? Like, like I'm talking like your living situation. My living situation. So I'm I'm living with um I'm living with my boss John Rivera and his you know his wife and their four kids. 
Um, you know, I sleep on the pullout couch bed down in the basement. Um, you know, and I did that. Like I said, I would be here for the summer, be gone in the winter. And then finally I came back here in 96, the fall of 96, and said I was never going back to Fresno. And, you know, for four years I slept on his couch. And then I was just like, you know, it's time for me to move. I need to get out. I need to get out of here and get my own place, you know, start set some roots, start, you know, start doing something for myself. I mean, I've, I've progressed to a point to where, um, you know, I didn't drink very much. You know, I drank, but I drank responsibly, you know, um, because the people that I, I, the people that I was around, they drank responsibly. So let me ask you this. I, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't mean to segue away from that because that's, that's really important that if you're going to drink that you do it responsibly, but it sounds like John, did he know what kind of lifestyle you had before you came out? Uh, yeah, he knew. And he brought you into his home. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, that's big. We worked together for a couple years. But, but that's huge. I mean, that's a. Yeah. I mean, and he had young girls. He had two young girls and two young boys. I mean, I think Tiffany was 10 and Nicole was eight and Jace was probably six, five. Yep. Five. And Jared was three. And and you lived in their home as, yeah, as a I member lived, of the family. Yep, I live with them as a member of the family. Yep, that's that's like my, that's my extended family here in Utah. The Riberas, John and Teresa, and the kids. Man, I tell you, without them, I could not have done anything that I've done for myself. Did that make you think twice when you were going to do something that that may have been on the on the little on the negative side that you had to come home to their house? Yeah, it kept me it kept me straight because I don't want to bring no mess to their house. I mean, they were nice enough to let me let me live there, so I didn't do nothing. You know, I didn't do nothing Kept at all. it real clean. Kept it clean, you know, because um, I had to, you know, set a good example for those kids. You know, I mean, I mean, you know, we drank, but like I said, we drank responsibly. You know, we didn't drink to get drunk. We drank because we liked the flavor of, of the beer we were drinking. You know? I mean, well, and that's, that's, a, that, that's a whole different thing. There's a difference between alcoholism, which is what, what you'll drink anything you can that will get you drunk. Right. And to be social with it. Yeah. And so it, it showed me a, another way. Basically he brought me out here without telling me that I'm going to show you another way to live. You know, I'm going to show you a different way, you know, and it's not like I didn't have those examples in front of me at home. Both of my parents worked for the state of California for, you know, 30 plus years. My mom was an accountant. My dad worked in the juvenile hall system. You know, it's not like I didn't have perfect examples in front of me. But you know how sometimes that message just isn't received unless it's coming from somebody else. Sometimes you just, you know, that that message coming from the wrong person just just don't it don't sink in. Sometimes it just got to come from somebody else. And I don't know why that is. I don't know why that is. I know there's kids out there today that's waiting for somebody that's to come along and tell them something that somebody's already told them in a different way. But they're not going to receive it until they hear it. And it's just a certain way. And that's how I feel. That's what, that's the way I was. That's what happened to me. The message, like that message had been like brought to me over and over again from my mom and my dad and my aunt and my brother. I mean, you know, they all worked, go to work, get up in the morning, go to work every day. My brother was working 16 hours a day, doubles at Danish Creamery, just, you know, working, 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 having big old fat checks. I had never seen nobody with, you know, 
I mean, I've seen dope dealers with four or $5,000 in, in it, but somebody that cashed a check from working? Like, I had never seen nothing like that before. You know, but I wanted to try to, I wanted to do it the other way because, man, man, he work all day and he'd be tired when he come home. Like, dude over here got like five, six grand and he ain't done nothing to do it. So, you know, everybody want to try the easy way. That's not my, that's not how I was supposed to make it. But anyway. And, but yeah, the easy way, it's not, it's not ultimately easy. Is it's it? not ultimately easy. Yeah, there's, there's, there's sacrifices, you know. Yeah, you're giving up. You're always giving up something. Right. So, yeah. but I was shown this way. And, and then we tapped into some of my, some of my skills, you know. Like what? Like my people skills that I didn't know I had, you know. Um, my office skills, my ability to, to, to take a process and, and make it better. And the way I think, my ideals, and, you know, it just seemed like he showed me things that I didn't even know about myself. He showed me how to access those things and use them to my advantage. So are you, at this point, are you moving up in the company? Yeah, I'm moving up in the company. B because of those things? Because of those things, because, of you know, I can, I can get on the phone and call people and talk to people and act like I got some sense. Um, I can, I can do interviews. And act like you got some yeah, sense. Yeah, act like I got some sense. <laughs> That's what I do every day, all day. And Me too. I just... <laughs> so, I mean, he, he just, he showed me, he just showed me, a, he showed me a different way. He showed me a different way to live. He showed me a different way to carry myself. He showed me another way to be a man. Um, and, you know, and I'm, I'm so grateful for him and my, him and his wife. I, you know, I don't see him at all anymore. You know, I miss him. I miss him because, you know, they left after like, so I got married in 2002 and uh, Teresa got a job working for the DOD out in Washington. And so they moved in, in 2004 or 2005, 2004, I think it was maybe. Um, they moved out there and, and so, I, me and him lost contact and we didn't talk as much. You know, he was responsible for me being in Utah. He was responsible for me changing my life and, or not, I mean, yeah, I can say that he helped me change my life, but that was just the beginning of the change. Yeah. You know what I mean? He got me going. He got me, he got me, you know, like I could, I can do this, you know, I can do this. I can do this. You know, so, I can do this. Yeah. So let's talk about that. So obviously you left, um, their house and and you struck out on your own for so for the first time in your life, you've got rent. Yeah, you got food. You got everything, yep, and got you're rent. on your own, and you're raising your own money to, I, yep, to do I, it. I got a car. I got rent. You know, and so was that. Did that feel scary at all? It it did initially, but I moved out. You know, I moved into a house with with four of the guys. You know, I mean, and I was the oldest guy in the house. <laughs> All the rest of those guys are like 22, 23, you know, here I am. I'm like, you know, 25, 26, you know, so I'm the oldest guy in the house, um, you know, but uh, it was, it was, it was cool. It was cool. It was learning experience. You know, I, you know, learn how to manage my money and not, you know, make sure I have money because I got to think about tomorrow, you know, always got to be thinking about tomorrow. So it, you know, it helped me grow. And, you know, I did that. We, you know, for, I mean, shoot from, I think I moved out in 98. Yeah. 
I moved out in 98 and uh, me and Marie moved into an apartment in 2001. So in that time you met her? Yeah, she was working for us. She, you know, so her her and her girl came and fill out applications. Um, <laughs> her and her little friend came to the house and, you know, I, they just both like, I mean, she was 18, I think, if I'm not mistaken. She was probably like 18. Mm-hmm. And I was probably 24, something like that, when I first met her. And uh, Was it instant? No, it wasn't. Because I saw she was 18, and I, I, didn't, I didn't like, you know, young girls, like, under 21. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they got to be at least a certain yeah, age. Yeah, right? you got to be at least, I, you know, I had, you know, I had some type of standards. You had to be at least 21. Um, so, um, yeah, it was, it was crazy. So, yeah, she was like 18, and, you know, I hired her. Everybody got hired. I mean, because, you know, we just basically, we, we just want bodies, just warm bodies. <laughs> if you could stand up and say, shake your head, yes, no, good to go. Come on, let's go. <laughs> Put on the yellow shirt. Put the yellow shirt on, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so, so did you, obviously, you, you uh, she didn't stay, <laughs> she didn't stay uh, 18 forever, you know, so did you guys end up working closely together? How did you guys like strike up a romance? That's that's my um, question. How did we strike up a romance? Um, so like we so we start talking, start talking. She kind of you know, I could tell that she liked me or whatever. And so I asked her how old she was. She told me she was like eighteen. I was like, ah, oh, you got a few more ice cream seasons to go. So let me know when you turn twenty one, and you know we go out on a date or something. She was like, are you serious? I'm like, yeah. It's like, you're too young. <laughs> Three years. Yeah. You can't, I can't date nobody that can't drink, basically. And yet. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> anyway. So, yeah, we know, we, you know, literally, she, she worked. She did all the Dave Matthews shows, you know, all of the big shows, the Stones and NSYNC and, you know, all those stadium shows and the Metallicas and, I mean... She did all that stuff, and she'd come out and work out at Salt Air when we had shows at Salt Air, and I mean. So would 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 it be safe to say you guys were together a lot? Yeah, she was. Yeah, she was her and uh, her and her best friend Nikki. They like so Justin and Nikki. Justin and Justin was seeing Nikki, and Nikki and Marie are best friends. So we were doing George Strait down at BYU um, one summer. And for the overnight, Justin was running the overnight shift. And so we needed some more bodies. So he's like, I got, I, I got these two girls that'll come down to work and then we'll be good. I was like, fine, yeah, have them come down and I'll have them fill out the, the W-4 um, when I get to work, when I get down there, you know, in the morning. I'll be down there in the morning, like 7 a.m. <clears throat> so, you know, uh, she, she worked. And then so then she came into the office to actually her and her friend came in to fill out the application where I actually met her. Um, and then she, you know, she worked, she was a real trooper. I mean, she went to, we went to, took her to do football games in Denver. Um, I mean, and you're talking like real football games. Yeah. Like, right? like Denver Bronco games. I know, but you, you also did Super Bowls too, right? Yeah, we did. Yeah. I've been to seven Super Bowls. Yeah. So you're talking, we're not talking a football game for no, a, a couple like of a, city colleges. We're yeah, talking, our high we're talking school, the big no, we're deal. Talking about, yeah. Talk about real football. Yeah. Real, real, real. The real, real, real. <laughs> Back then, it was uh, 
I think Greasy had just taken over for uh for Elway. They had just come off of their one of their championships. Um and Greasy was the quarterback, if I'm not mistaken. Ross Smith was still out there receiving. That's a throwback. Yeah, dude. That was <laughs> that's rude. That's rude for real nineties. <laughs> so so did you watch the crowd or did you watch the game? Um, I watched a little bit of both. Um, I had a section. I had, a, you know, a section that I had like 15 people working for me, 15 ushers working underneath me. So I just moved between all those guys constantly during the game. So at some point I'd stop and watch some game while they were working. I'd stop and watch some game and then keep on doing what I'm doing, take care of my business, you know, take care of my people. Um, so, but yeah, I would, you know, we would do that stuff. And so we just, she just kept working and just kept working. And then. You know, one day she was like, hey, I just I just turned 21. I'm like, oh, what? Now you could go to the bar. Let's go. You know, let's go out. She literally kept that promise in the back of her mind. I guess. For three years. I something. I don't know. I was that handsome, I guess. <laughs> uh, on behalf of everyone, I'd like to say nope. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Well. But- <laughs> so, <laughs> maybe maybe I just have a different opinion. I, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> um so so you're building a life, you're building a family. You guys got married obviously. Yep. Um I want to talk about, you know, I I, I definitely want to talk about what's happened since then cuz I mean you're a remarkable person, you're a great neighbor, good friend. Um but there was one thing that you did around that time period. It's been it's been a while now. But at some point, you went back to Fresno yeah, to so. take care of business. And I, I want you to talk about that because literally that was probably one of the most courageous things I've ever seen anybody do, like, like anybody close to me. Um, yeah, you take us back to Fresno. Yeah, so, okay, so in 2009. Or, or at least California. Yeah, 2009. Um, so when I left California in 2006, I said um, – I went to jail three times in two in two weeks. Are you ninety six? Ninety six is ninety six. Okay. Yeah, nine back in ninety six. Well, that was like when I left Fresno for good, and I wasn't coming back. Like, I got you know, so I had warrants. Um, because you skipped those trials. Because I stripped, I skipped like you know, I didn't go to court. You know, I skipped out on the PC one thousand class. So technically, so you skip out on the PC one thousand class, it's automatically a year in jail. Yeah. So. I was like, I ain't, you know, I ain't going back, whatever. I'm done. So I was still traveling back and forth to California all the time, you know, taking my family home on vacations, Christmas vacation, Thanksgiving vacation. Go see grandma. Go see grandma. You know, I would drive back by myself sometimes and, you know, um, all the time, if I got pulled over, I'm going to jail. Like, just, just like that. Do not pass go. Do not collect your two hundred dollars. <laughs> you going to jail, and no questions. Um, so in two thousand nine, because I just wanted to clear my name. Yeah. I just wanted to clear my name. I just wanted my name to be in good standing, like hands down. Like I changed my life. Quit doing all that crazy stuff. You know, I don't. You know. A respectable uh, citizen of the community that I live in, and I felt that it was just time for me to take that next step um, because I had came a long ways as far as straightening myself out and you know making better choices for myself. 
And so this is like the like the moment where, you know, you kind of say, okay, you know, my past isn't is my, you know, because my, my past is still it's like right, right over my shoulders right there. I can, I can look over and I can see it and, you know, and so I needed to go take care of this stuff. So I had these three warrants um, in California. So on a, in August of 2009, um, I made plans to go to California for a week and, uh, and go and face the courts. And well, and let me paint a picture of that a little bit. Um, you know, you and I were talking about it a little bit and you said you were going to go do that. And, uh, and you know, you, 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 I basically got the idea that you didn't know if you were getting back. No, I didn't. I didn't know if they were going to let me go or I didn't know what was going to happen. And you went there anyway. I went there anyway. So, so were you kind of going through all the scenarios in your mind or were you going through all the types of words you could say? I mean, were you trying to rehearse things? Well, so what I did was. On the way, on the drive there? Yeah. So I, uh, I, uh, I was working at Provo Canyon School with the troubled youth and I had been for, man, shoot, probably. So I started working there in 04. Yeah, I started working at Provo Cane School in 04. In June, quite a while. June in 04. So in 09, I had been working there for five years. You know, I'm telling these kids, you know, how they can, you know, what you, you know, how to do, you know, you can live better, you can you know, make better choices. When this whole time I got this crap hanging over my shoulder that I haven't faced up to, you know, what I did. And so it was just kind of like a, I don't know, I, I just, I needed to go take care of it. And so I went to a couple of the directors that I knew really well, went to my direct boss and, and had them write letters to the court on my behalf. Um, and I had no idea what the letter said. Couldn't tell you. It was a sealed letter and I didn't open it. And all I did was, and you're not even sure if they would even read it. Yeah. Had no clue whether they would read it or not. Um, so I get to Fresno and I'm scared. Ooh, I am so scared. <laughs> and where did you, you walked in the courthouse? Yeah, where where did you to, go? I went to the courthouse. So my, my aunt Diane had been, she was a, a, a managing court clerk. She had worked as a court clerk since... That was her first job at 18. She retired when she was 57 or 58. You know, so she'd worked in the same job, you know, from from the lowest of the lowest, a court clerk filing all the paperwork that came out of the courts to being one of the top court clerks or running, you know, managing all the court clerks for Fresno County. Um, so she's like, okay, I got you on the docket to go see this judge for this case. Got you on the docket to go see this judge for these two cases. And so I went, went for the gun charge, All right? So I went into court, you know, judge called my name. I stood up, walked up to the, to the podium and, you know, he thanked me for coming to court. And, uh, I, I asked him, I said, I got a couple of letters to explain to you, um, what I've been doing with myself for the past 13 years that I've had these warrants. Um, and you know, he took them and he opened them up and he read them and, you know, about you know, a few minutes passed by and he was, he was like, you know, I, I really appreciate 
you coming back to court to face up to these these uh, gun charges. Um, he's like, I'm I'm so proud that you're capable of changing your life and doing it your own way. You know, he's like, no, not everybody needs to go to jail to be corrected. Um, he's like, so I commend you for what you've done. I'm dropping all the charges and you go back to doing whatever it was you was doing. Get out of Fresno. That's what he said. I was like, cheek to cheek, smiling, happy. Woo, like this could, that couldn't have been, you know, that it couldn't have been a better situation. You know, like, wow, that really worked out. What would you say to somebody who said that's not fair? <sighs> Life isn't fair. <laughs> I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't, he didn't have to do that. Yeah. He didn't have to do that. I was standing there willing to accept whatever punishment that he handed down. And that's where I, you know, the fair part doesn't, to me, it doesn't like, that's where it's, it's, I, it's not that if I, if it was, it was unfair is it would be if I, you know, coerced him or some way tricked him into, you know, that would be unfair for him to recognize what I've been able to do with myself and not have any trouble over 13 years, not as even a speeding ticket. You know, he took the, he took account for that. Yeah. Well, it sounds, it sounds like, um, it sounds like that that's, that's, that's a judge who has a lot of respect for people, regardless of, you know, the situation. Right. Because the first thing he did was thank you for being a stand up guy. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, it was, it was awesome. I mean, that was like, it was the best feeling. And so, you know, I had the next court was going to drug court where um, I got caught with uh, I had some, some cocaine and some marijuana. And so, or some crack actually. Um, and so, you know, going into that court was a little different. Um, it was just different. And so I showed up in the morning, you know, had to be there. It's, you know, supposedly first come first serve. I was like the first person there. I was there like seven forty-five. It's downstairs in the jun- in the like super dungeon, at Fresno County Courthouse in Fresno. Mm-hmm. Um, and I basically sat there for eight hours. Yeah. You're first there, and they didn't see you for eight hours. Eight hours. They let you just sit there. They let me just sit there. So you're in court watching other people's I'm cases? I'm watching every, everybody else's court. People's cases come before me. People that I was saw that came way after I did. So I had no clue. The lady didn't know who I was. I didn't know who she was, but she was watching me, giving reports to the judge about me. I had no clue this was going on. Right. So that's why they kept skipping over my case. Because they wanted to see what you do. Because she felt like the court clerk felt like that I had attitude or whatever. Like every time somebody else named besides mine, I just, oh man, God, you know, whatever. But I was just, you know, I mean, you know, I was there. It's stressful. I was there before eight o'clock, before they opened the doors, you know, uh, you know, 
I, uh, I, I don't know. Maybe I was anxious. Maybe I was, you know, I don't know. But I wasn't, that's no reason to push my case to the back of the, to the back of the log. Every time it comes up, push my case to the back of the log because you don't like my attitude. And you're sitting, you know, 25, 30 feet away from me. How are you going to judge my attitude from that distance? How you going to, I mean, you can see my, you know, my body, my body language, I guess, my facial expressions. But you don't know the conversations I'm having with the people that's sitting next to me. You know, I got it's my dad and my brother, Charles and Marie, you know, the four of us are there. And so, you know, I'm talking to my dad and we're talking about stuff and, you know, you know, he's saying, I know you wish you wouldn't have did that crazy stuff now. You know, that's what he's, you know, saying to me, kind of like, you know, as, as dads do, as dads do. Yeah. You know, so. Um, so finally, like f- literally 450, 455, <laughs> like the very last case, he called my name and I go up and actually the D.A., is somebody that I knew. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. It was so crazy. I'm like, look, like Jeff, like, Oh wow. Okay. So anyway, I was like, you know, sitting there and, um, he was like, you know, Mr. Few, he's like, where you been for the past 13 years? And I was like, well, your honor, I, I left you, I left Fresno and moved to Utah. Um, helped me change my life, you know? Um, you know, he's like, but you ran away from your responsibilities, just kind of went off on me, mm-hmm. like went off. Like, I ought to throw you in jail right now and make you sit there for a month before I hear your case again. You've been 13 months. You've been running from 13 years. You've been running from the law. You know, just, oh, man, just like I'm sitting there trying to push your buttons almost. And he did. He got me. He got me. He did. He got Oh, he got me. Because I'm like, I said, Your Honor, I didn't get pulled over and had to come to court. I scheduled this. I came in and said, I want to get this taken care of because it's been long enough. I've been running from this long enough. It's time for me to stand up for what I did. And that's what I'm here for. And he just kept on, you know, so he was so pissed off. He took my case. And so since I didn't complete any part of it, he treated it like it happened yesterday. Hmm. He threw my court, he threw my case out, told me that I had to start the case all over again like it happened yesterday. So I had to, so I'm, you know, I'm not going to throw you in jail, but you better, you better be in court tomorrow. I'm going to be looking, right? And I'm just like, oh, my God. So you have to show up at 745 again so and sit there the all next, day again? the next day, I go to, you know, I, uh, so I, my dad's there, you know. So we immediately call some some people, uh, get a hold of a couple of lawyers, you know, start making contact with some different people, um, some people in the in the judicial system that he knows, trying to, you know, see what, what our options were. And, uh so, you know, I get up the next morning, just bummed, you know, don't know, like, I, you know, I should just go back to Utah, forget this, I'm not doing this, you know, you know, they just, you know, I'm just waiting for the inevitable. They just going to send me, they just going to, they just want to put me in jail, you know? And so I go to court, 
you know, um, one of my a great, a good, a good, a really good family friend. Um, I've been knowing all my life is actually one of my cousins, parent, uh, my cousins, a couple of my cousins, daddy, um, came, came to me to set the courthouse, um, to, to, cause he knew the judge that was over my case really well. Um, I guess they, you know, play golf or whatever together. Um, he was going to put a good word in for me. Um, and so I had to start all over. So I went to court, got there, met with the, met with the uh, district attorney, met with the public defender, told the public defender what, you know, what had happened, everything, gave her the letters. Um, and so they called me up. I stood in front of the judge, talked about my case. You know, said, I, you know, I've been in Utah for the past 13 years. This is what I've been doing. I got these letters of recommendation that haven't been open. You know, you care to, you know, he's like, judge, like, I don't want to read any letters, recommendation. He's like, I want to know what you've been doing for the past 13 years, where you worked, you know, the, what, what have you been doing? You know, I work right now. I'm currently working for this place called Provo Canyon School. It's a place for troubled youth. That's where I spend the majority of my time trying to help kids not make some of the same mistakes I did. You know, I just kind of gave my spiel. And... The district attorney stood up and said, you know, that's all fine and dandy that you, you know, you did this, but. Um, kind of like, what about your debt to society? Type yeah, kind of like what your, your debt to society. So I, uh, I just, you know, kind of didn't know what to say. I said, well, I haven't been in any trouble in the last 13 years. She's like, no trouble at all. I was like, I haven't been in any trouble in the last 13 years. And so she said, okay. I want to, um, however they do, uh, a record search course, postpone you oh, know, okay. two weeks, adjourn, adjourn for two weeks, come back in two weeks. And, um, I'm going to run this, do a BCI background check. And, you know, if you have absolutely nothing on your record, I'll dismiss the charges. Right. And that's the DA saying that's this. the DA saying this. Okay. So, at this time, my aunt Diane had got had come in because she was actually on vacation. Um, so she just she came in because she, you know, I don't know. I was there. You know, that, you, you've met my aunt Diane. That's like my other mama. For sure. You know, so. Um, she came down there and district attorney was like, it's going to be two weeks. You know, you need to be back in court in two weeks. I was like, ma'am, I live in Utah. You know, I'm on a special trip. I work. I can't, you know. I'm not gonna be able to come back in two weeks. I'm here to try to take care of this all right now. I was like, I got, to, I'm gonna be here till, you know. Whatever the outcome. Yeah, no matter what. I'm, I just need, you know, unless I'm going to jail, I need to get this done, you know, like this week. So my aunt was like, well, what do you need? She's, you know, I need a BCI background check. She's like, I can have one of those ran in 15 minutes. And she's like, ma'am, what do you mean? It takes some, you know, whatever. She's like, no, that's my office back there. I am, I run the clerks. It's like, you tell me what you need, I can get it to you in 15 minutes. And so my Aunt Diane went back in their office, told one of the clerks, hey, run this background check. I need it ASAP. And like within an hour, we had a background check. And, you know, I was back standing in front of the judge. And it was just like, you know, felt like a, a huge weight 
was lifted off. Like, I didn't, I didn't have to worry about the police no more. I didn't have to worry about being with my family and my kids watching me go to jail. If I got pulled over in California. Like, you don't even understand, Greg. How, like, uh, how, just like, it just, it just made my whole life, like, like, oh man, finally got that off my back. Finally. It was huge. You know, I was so happy because I thought for sure, I thought for sure that judge from the drug court, the, the judge from the drug, drug court was, you know, he was so pissed. I thought for sure he was going to go down and tell this judge, you know, lock him up, lock him up. He's just a turd that's been running for 13 years. Lock him up, you know? And I don't know. Like I said, man, I'm, I know God's been watching out for me for a long time. For a long time. That's one of the times that he helped me out. I truly believe that. Yeah, and, and uh, I, I remember... To be honest, I didn't think that you were going to come back, you know? I thought I thought uh, your wife was going to come back uh, alone. And uh, so when you showed up, I, I was overjoyed, and I, I was ecstatic for you. And, and, and uh, you know, our families have lived next door to each other for, for gosh, we're, we're pushing 16, 17 years yeah. right now. Yeah. Um, beautiful family. What do they mean to you? I mean, you got you got some kids, you got a wife, got a great neighborhood. Um, I guess just give us the happy ending. I mean, what did that allow you to do emotionally when you when 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 you got your cases um, taken care of? It allowed me to be free. I can be free. I can go fill out an application for any job I want to. Because I couldn't fill out certain applications for certain jobs. Because basically, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, wa- I'm wanted. I got warrants. I don't even know how I got the job at the Provocation School. Like all I had to do was a BCI background check and three warrants: possession of a handgun, possession of controlled substance. And that should have disqualified you from from that job specifically. Man, working with troubled youth. How you gonna do that with that with those? Mm-hmm. You can't do that with warrants for drugs and a gun. That's, that's you know those are considered not uh, you know not violent crimes, but not crimes that you should be working with kids. Yeah, you know. So you're free. I mean, like, what, is, what does that mean? I mean, does, does, it's been a while. I mean, that's been a decade since. It's been since, two, it's been more than ten years, eleven yeah. years. But I mean, does that? Does that realization hit you every once in a while still, or, or is it, does it still feel fresh like the first day? I mean, how- no, because I don't even really think about it, man. I moved on, you know. I I did it, and it was like, okay, I got that part done. Now what am I going to do next? Now what 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 can I do for myself now? I mean, because I've, you know, like I said, when I got here, what I had, you know, me and my wife got married. You know, we didn't have anything. We had my little bit of furniture and her bed <laughs> in a one bedroom, you know, one bedroom apartment. Sounds like a Bob Marley song. <laughs> and uh, 
you know, and then her, you know, her older sister said, you know, how much you guys paying for rent? Oh, we paying this much. We had a couple more hundred dollars. You guys will be paying a mortgage. You guys get out of that get out of that apartment and go buy a house. You guys make too much money to be living in an apartment. That's wasting money. Hmm. And we were like, looked at each other like, you think we can afford a house? I mean, I was only making probably. So my, by that time, so we're talking 2002, 2000, 2002, 2003. You know, I'm, I think I was making like $9 an hour now. My salary doubled. <laughs> so my salary doubled in 10 years. Like, <laughs> now, first I was on the fries. Now I'm on the cash register. <laughs> wow. Now, now, you, now you got a, a cloth hat instead of a paper hat. Yeah, exactly. Now I'm in the big bucks, you know. <laughs> so, so, you know, uh, you know, and Marie had just graduated from nursing school and, you know, was just, had just passed her boards and got her RN's license. And, you know, I think, uh, her first job, you know, she was probably making like 18, 19 bucks an hour. And I'm like, man, that is so much money. Like, we're going to live fat now. Yeah, <laughs> man. We, fat checks. Like, boy, we, man. Look at all those zeros. Yeah, man. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, um, like life was great, you know, so we, you know, moved out of the apartment, moved into mom's, mom and dad's, you know, down in America Fort, uh, you know, which wasn't my first choice at all, you know, <laughs> but it was, you know, we got walked in on a few times because there was no lock, no lock on the door. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> but thanks for sharing. You know, hey, you know, that's all <laughs> part of the story, man. You know, but uh, <laughs> you can't tell the story without telling the story. Hey, right? you know, so. <laughs> You know, we saved up. We got, you know, paid off a whole bunch of bills, you know, a whole bunch of stuff that was on my credit, you know, got it all off, got it all cleaned up, went in, applied for a loan. You know, we got, got, ended up, you know, got a loan, you know, went house searching, you know, found this spot. And I mean, it's, it's been just a, it's been just a great, it's like, it's not over. There's no, it's not the happy ending yet, Greg, because it's not over. We're still going, man. Yeah, so I was gonna I was gonna ask you that what 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 does the future hold? What are your hopes and dreams? I mean, you you're not encumbered by any of your past anymore. You nope. you got you got your whole life in front of you. You got a beautiful family. What's next? I mean, where do you want to be in five, ten, twenty years from now? So you know, I feel like you know, I I currently work for a company right now that allows me to be creative, allows me to just do my job and they don't question how I do it as long as what I do makes sense. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, they, they pretty much, you know, Hey, you are our materials manager. You manage our warehouse and you take care of all our materials. Like for, for new construction, for service, you know, I'm the fleet manager. Like I'm, I'm over everything that's got anything to do with the warehouse. So it's kind of, it's quite a few responsibilities, but at the same time, I love it. And it's a growing company. And in the year and a half that I've worked there, our revenue has doubled. So in another year, two years, we're looking at, you know, cause now I'm part of the upper management team. You know, I get to see, you know, 
how things are going, you know, financially for the company and, you know, what we're spending, you know, what's allocated to where. I get to see all of that stuff. And, you know, he's talking about being, you know, doubling what we've already doubled next year, if not triple. And with that being said, as the growth continues, like we grow with the company. And so what's your, what's your goal with that? I mean, I I mean, I'm looking to retire from this company, you know, so this is your long-term employment. This, this, this is it, man. This is, I told him, I had a sit down talk with him, uh, uh, last week. And, you know, I told him, I was like, this is the last company I want to work for. I was like, I give you 115% every day, all day long. Uh, you know it. You know, it's like you said it yourself. You go around telling people, if I need something done, I know who to call. I go to Antoine because I know he's going to do it. Yeah. You know, and I, you know, as some part of me is like, man, that sucks. It's, you know, some of the stuff you asked me to do is not even in my job description, but you tell me that you need it done, I make sure it gets done. So, so I guess I want to end with, uh, if you could go back and talk to 18, 19 year old Antoine, you know, after getting kicked out of the, kicked off the team, but before really getting into some serious stuff. And suppose you could figure out a way to reach that kid and really get him to listen. What, what do you say after that? I don't know because had I not traveled the road I did, I wouldn't be here. Does that make sense? Yeah, like you're you're almost saying it was necessary. It was necessary for me to go through that, for me to be the man that I am today. Right. It was absolutely necessary. You know, a lot of things, a lot of crazy stuff happened to me growing up. And as an adult, as a young adult, a lot of things happened that I caused to happen, like self-inflicted. But at the same time, it was absolutely horrible that it happened that I did that to myself, but it made me the man I am today. So would I really, do I really want to change who I am today to go back and tell, you know, I think like the, the butterfly effect, the butterfly effect, you know, the movie, like, you know, yeah. every time you go back and do something like the future changes. I don't want, I don't want this. I don't want this to change. You know, I can't imagine not having an Ava and a Jada and an AJ and being married to Marie and living next to the Barretts. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you think I'm serious, dude? I, I, I I'm serious. Like I'm living my best life right now. Like things couldn't be better. Spiritually couldn't be better. Financially, man, I mean, I don't know if I've ever been this financially stable. I, this is the, this is my best life and it's, and it's going to get better. That's what's so cool is that I know it's going to get better. That's, that's what I, I just, I know that. And it's crazy knowing that it's going to get better because all I have to do is keep doing what I'm doing. It's living right, doing right by my wife, doing right by my kids, supporting them. Going to get up, getting up and going to work, taking care of my business. 
Well, I don't, I don't think there's a better way to end the show, Antoine. And so I just want to say thanks. Um, this has been a long conversation. Um, that's why we split it where we did. Uh, but it's been so good. I mean, I've heard pieces of all of that stuff. I kind of knew most of it, but I didn't know all of it. And I never really sat down and kind of put it together all in one bit before. So thanks for coming on the program. I hope for those of you who are listening, um, you derive some inspiration from this. And I, I guess I want to say, you, you know, the future, the future is better. Just keep doing what you're doing. Do a good job. Work hard. And uh, you'll be living your best life, too, if you're not already. Um, any, any parting shots you want to get off? No, I just want to appreciate, appreciate you listening. Appreciate you listening. I know we've always talked about, you know, me telling my story. And I always thought it was interesting how far I've come. You know, so I just really appreciate it. Gives me a chance to look back on it, reflect, and, you know, appreciate some of the things that I've been through, good and bad. And that's Antoine's story. It is one of my favorite stories. Antoine's a good friend of mine, and I, I love him. And I hope you get a sense of what I see in Antoine. He's a, he's a great guy, and I've absolutely loved doing this podcast. I hope you loved it, too. All right, so we're technically rolling. Why don't you say test one, two, three for me? Test one, two, three. Where the music at? Where's the intro? <laughs> That's post-production, man. <laughs> Come on, man. You think in CSI Miami, the, mu- the music just starts playing and yeah. puts his name, puts his sunglasses on? Exactly. Horatio, man. Horatio K. Let's, let's go over ratio. Come on, Horatio. <laughs> okay. Uh, here we go.